We are glad that you have chosen to start your week here on Brit David Podcast as Pastor Tim brings us a message today from Luke chapter 14, verses 15 through 24, entitled, I'm Invited, I'm Invited, I'm Invited. There is something special about an invitation, no matter your age or the situation. An invitation means that someone who is hosting a special event and who obviously wants the event to be a great success thought of you and wanted to include you. They believe that your presence will make their event better. That's pretty amazing. And it's all the more amazing when you realize that God himself has invited you to his big event. Here's Pastor Tim. Amen. You can be seated. Uh, Go ahead and take your Bible. Turn with me, if you will, back to Luke chapter number 14. When Alex was little, one of his favorite TV shows was a little PBS show called Arthur. It was in the days before Arthur was woke. It was a good show back then. In, uh, in that particular, in one particular episode, his little sister, D.W., is, is in a foul mood. And she's taking it out on everybody. Turns out the whole reason is, is because one of her little friends threw a birthday party and did not invite D.W. So she's all torn up until one day when the mail comes and she's got mail, you know, Unless you're an adult and all you get are bills, we like it when we get mail, right? So she gets, uh, she gets that, and she's excited to have something. When her mom tells her that it's an invitation, she doesn't care what it's to. She doesn't even know what it's for. She doesn't care. She just simply says, I'm invited, I'm invited, I'm invited. You know, we as adults may not get that excited about being invited to something, but sometimes we are. And uh, when those invitations come in the mail, we get excited about those things. And if it's an engraved invitation, it seems to take on a little bit more meaning. Let me tell you something, though, that's even better than that. When Jesus invites you to something, <laughs> that's better than any invitation. And if he were to take his finger and point out to you and say, I want you, so now it doesn't matter, does it? Doesn't matter, doesn't matter what you're being invited to. If he just simply wants you, I'm invited, I'm invited, I'm invited. It's a great, great theme to have. Luke chapter number 14. In fact, if we, um, if we had had time last week, we would have included this passage last week because it's in the same environment. If you remember last week, Jesus has gone to the ruler of a Pharisee's house after their synagogue worship, after church for lunch. And things did not go nearly as well as anybody had hoped. By the time it's all over with, Jesus has pointed his finger in a, in a, in a disparaging way, both to the ruler of the Pharisees, to the Pharisees themselves, to the guests that are at the party, and even to his own host who invited him. It's in the midst of all of that, of Jesus speaking, and it is some of the heaviest speech that you'll find in the Gospels, really anywhere. And then you find verse number 15. Look at it with me, if you will. Now, when one of those who sat at the table with Jesus heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. All right. If that seems abrupt to you this morning... Imagine if you were there at the dinner table. You know, it's that person who, 
when things get awkwardly silent and they just have to say something. You know somebody like that, right? They, just have to, they, they feel like they have to say something, and so, so he had just hollers this out, even though it doesn't have any context with what, with what has been going on at this particular party. Blessed is he who eats bread in the kingdom of God. And, you know, I mean, we don't have emojis in here, but if I did, I'm sure that somebody would insert an eye roll at this point. And Jesus then said to him, you know, that's not really my text, but anyway, this is what he said. Look, if you will, in verse number 16, Jesus said to him, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many. And sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. When it comes to this invitation today, there are a number of things that I want you to see in this passage. The first is this. And understand that this is your invitation. I want you to know that God requests your presence. God requests your presence. That's what an invitation is, isn't it? We request your presence at a particular event. God wants you to be a part of His family. He wants you to be involved in what He's doing. He wants you to to partake in the blessings that He has. He wants you. It's an important element to recognize in the midst of an invitation that God wants you with Him. Remember Jesus said, When I come again, I will receive you where? Not just take you to heaven when you die, right? It's not what the passage says. He says, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You see, a relationship with Christ is just that. It's a relationship. It's not just another religion. It's not just another list of do's and don'ts. It's not about how you talk or how you walk or how you dress or what you do. It's about a relationship with your Heavenly Father. And before you begin to think, well, I mean, He just wants everybody, right? Well, I mean, yeah, but He wants you. Don't get yourself lost in the midst of everybody else. In fact, in those couple of verses that we just read, there's a couple of things I recognize in here about His invitation to you. Number one, you're welcome. You are welcome to be there. You ever been somewhere where you're not welcome? It It gets pretty thick pretty quick, doesn't it? Things get very awkward very suddenly. But when you're welcome in a place... When you have friends in a place or family in a place, you just are at home there. That's really what it means to be welcomed, isn't it? That's why we say, welcome home. We want you to feel like you are at home. You know, the the old Cheers show, remember that? It's probably not the best one for a Baptist preacher to talk about. (laughs) But anyway, it was a good one nonetheless. What was in their song? It's a place where everybody knows your name, right? What happened every time Norm walked into the bar? Norm, right? They knew him. That's what you want to feel like at church. You want to feel like everybody knows you and everybody welcomes you. 
Everybody wants you to be there. And that leads us then to number two. Not only are you welcome, you are wanted. You're wanted. I, you know, I have to admit that there are times when we receive an invitation and you know good and well that you're invited just because they feel obligated that they have to invite you. Right? This is not that kind of invitation. This is an invitation where you are welcome and where you are wanted. Notice, if you will, there in verse number 17. The invitation has already been made. People have already been invited. He has invited many, it said in the previous verse, to this great supper. And now in verse number 17, he sends his servant at supper time to say to those who were already invited, come on, because everything is now ready. You know, they didn't, they didn't necessarily have their watches on, did they? They didn't necessarily have some of the ways to keep time that you and I do. And so when it came time for party time, somebody needs to let them know that it's going on. And so that's why the second call goes. That's what you have in verse number 17. In typical first century fashion, after the invitation comes the second call. The second call is to go out to those who have already been invited to tell them it's now time. It's time to come to the party. The party is on. Not only have you been welcomed, not only have you been invited to this party, but we want you to be here. And I have come to bring you myself. When God requests your presence, when God wants you to be a part of His family and a part of His work, know that He wants you to be involved with Him. He wants you to have a relationship with Him that is real and that is personal. So God requests your presence. But number two, I want you to see in this passage that God receives your response. See, just because you get an invitation doesn't mean automatically that you go. Sometimes you'll get an invitation that has an RSVP on it, where you're supposed to call or text or do something to let them know that you are planning to come. Or you send your regrets, right? I'm so sorry, I'm not going to be able to come to this party. But you let them know, you respond to that invitation. If you've thrown those kinds of parties and you've sent out those kinds of RSVPs, maybe you have even put a little stamped envelope inside of the invitation because you want them to mail back to you their response. You know as well as I do that there are plenty of times where nobody responds, do you? They don't tell you whether they're coming or whether they're not coming. But lo and behold, somewhere around party time, somebody shows up. You didn't expect them and you wasn't prepared for them because they didn't respond to your invitation. But they're here now. Sometimes it works the other way around. You're expecting them. You're expecting them to be there. And as the party continues on, at some point somebody says, what happened to old so-and-so? I, I, I thought they were coming. That's well, one reason why you have the second call. To send it out there and make sure that old so-and-so gets to come. Let's just imagine that for a moment, that you're the person who has received the invitation to this great supper. And you know that it's going to be on a certain day and at a particular time of that day. 
You're at home and you're doing whatever it is that you do. And somebody comes knocking on the door. It's the servant with the second call. And he says to you, hey, remember that uh, invitation that the master sent out? It's time. He's ready for you to come on and I have come to escort you to the party. Now what do you say? What you would expect to say by these that have already been invited is for them to say, all right, let's go. I'm ready. I've been sitting here all day. I've been ready for this party, and I'm ready to go. What these second call servants receive, however, are a number of regrets. I would say a number of reasons, but it's really more like excuses. You see them as we go through these, that they really are excuses. I want you to know this about excuses. Some excuses are plausible. I mean, they are. Some excuses are plausible, and of course some are not. But look, look at it with me. Look, if you will, there in verse number 18. But they all, with one accord, began to make excuses. Now, now stop there for a moment. Of all these invitations that have been sent out, This is a great supper. Remember him saying that? It's a great supper that he's put on. He's expecting lots of people to come. He's expecting you to come. And now it says, all of them, with one accord, in the same vein, with the same kind of unity, they themselves began to make excuses. Here's the first one. Right there in the middle of verse number 18. The first one said to him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. What? If you know somebody who likes to buy land sight unseen, I got some land, by the way, I'm willing to part with for just the right price. You can go look at it later, you know? Sounds like a congressman, doesn't it? We'll just pass it, and then we'll read it later on. That's what you got going. Sorry, did that come out? All right, here we go. Excuse number two, look if you will in verse number 19. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to test them. I just bought a car, and now I'm going for the test drive. I'm not going to be able to come to the party. I mean, these things may be plausible, but probably not, right? Here comes excuse number three in verse number 20. Still another said, I have married a wife, therefore I cannot come. All right, I got you, I got you on that one. <laughs> she just not going to let him come. You know, maybe it is plausible. Maybe it is a real reason and not just an excuse. But the Bible says in this case that they began with one accord to make excuses. These are not the real reasons. In fact, someone has defined an excuse as a reason, the skin of a reason, that's been stuffed with a lie. In other words, we come up with something that that seems legitimate. We offer that as an excuse not to do the things that we ought to do. That might work with your friends. It might work with your family members. And it surely might work with people that you have a very tangent relationship with. But it never works with God. He knows your heart motivation. 
He knows why you do what you do. He knows what you do. He knows you. You know, the interesting thing about that to me is this. Even though he knew these folks, even though he knew their propensity to make excuses, he still loved them. He still invited them. He would have still welcomed them as he wanted them to be there. But they said no. God never twists your arm. He never barges into your life. Instead, He says, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody will hear my voice and invite me in, I will come in and fellowship with Him and me with them. Some excuses are plausible. Some excuses are polite. Do you notice at the end of those first two excuses in verse number, uh, in verse number 18 and verse number 19? After they offer their excuse, you know, I bought some land, I bought some yoke of oxen. He says, I ask you to have me excused. Very polite. You know, the third guy, though, that just got married, he's left his manners alone. He left them at the altar, didn't he? He just says, I can't come. I ain't coming. Whether you're polite with your excuses or not, that's not really the issue. It doesn't matter that you come to the end of your life and you stand before the throne, before the judgment, and you tell God, I know I, know I didn't do what I was supposed to do, but I, but I meant to. I know that I didn't do what I was supposed to do, but, 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 I, but, I, but I really had the right attitude. I know that I didn't do what I was supposed to do, but I, I, I still love you, Lord. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, but you don't do the things that I say? We offer up all kinds of excuses about why we don't do what He has called us to do. And we think because we're polite, we think because we still come to church on Sunday, we still give, we still pray, we still read our Bibles, that it's all just okay. I'm afraid that the next verse that we're going to read is going to be a surprise for some people. It's going to be a surprise for those who are used to giving God their excuses about why they don't do the things that He wants them to do. If you're keeping up, we've been through number one, number two, here we go, number three. God responds to your refusal. If you refuse, if you send Him regrets about why you cannot do or you cannot be who He's called you to be and called you to do, this is His response in verse number 21. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Now, maybe you're under the assumption that you saying no to the Lord maybe hurts his feelings. Maybe, maybe it makes him sad. That's not the response, is it? Join us tomorrow as Pastor Tim continues his message from Luke 
chapter 14, verses 15 through 24, entitled, I'm Invited, I'm Invited, I'm Invited. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at britdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Britt David Podcast.